If you're here as a first-time guest or uh, you haven't been here before or maybe it's your, uh, you haven't come very much or you're returning to church for the first time in a long time, we are so glad you're here. My name is Chris Boyer. My wife Viviana and I, we lead the college ministry here at the Lighthouse Church of Christ. And I, we just came off this amazing retreat. We went out, I was out in Georgia for like five nights or four nights this week and it, it was just incredible. I am just filled up. I'm like burning with desire to come and communicate to you guys this morning. I really am. And we just came off of a series called Climate Change. And I know many of us here were able to experience that, but that was an incredible series that helped us where Peter really asked the question and said, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And he challenged all of us to go ask that question. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands who here did that or who did not do that, but uh, I know I did it. I went out and I started asking people, but even before this lesson series, I actually felt like there was things that I realized in my life where I needed to change. There were things that needed to change that were in my life. Even, you know, two months ago, back in January, I realized from people around me, it started becoming evident that the people in my working circles and the people in my life circles, it started becoming evident that, hey, Chris, you're acting like you got this, but you don't got this, Chris. So I was like, all right, I don't got this. I don't got this. Help me out. And not only have I been realizing that I don't got this, but we as a church, we don't got this. You know what I mean? We don't got this as a church. And, and I would say we as, a, as the larger Big C Church or the Church Universal, I'd say we don't got this down yet. We're actually figuring it out as we speak. I think there's so much that we have to learn. And I'm actually a systems guy. I love systems. Anybody else here like systems, like just implementing new systems, designing new systems? I love systems. In your house, you have a system. I mean, we all function on systems anyway. But I love implementing new systems. And and I actually, my wife and I, we lived in Central America for two and a half years, uh, a year and a half ago. So we just got back a year and a half ago from El Salvador. While I was in El Salvador, you know, the monkey dances for money. You got to do whatever you can do to get by, to make money, to like, you're, you're just, a, I just hustled. I was on there just hustling hard, trying to do whatever I needed to do. So I worked in the Olympic committee and I started two companies. And one of the companies I started was a jumper company. That means I inflated things for kids' parties and then I rolled them up afterwards. It was a lot of work and you had to hustle hard to get it done. You had to gain the client, make a client contact, and then you had to go and come back. And so with the jumpers, I tried to really make systems that worked and I tried to train and reproduce myself by helping someone to be able to implement that system you know to okay I'm gonna have you do this and I try to create a system that would work well I did the same thing for photography business that it was actually a photo booth it's not real photography but it was like a photo booth okay so how many people here have gone to a party recently and or any sort of function that had a photo booth anybody here you guys been to one of those photo booths okay well I made one from scratch So I I just like designed one, I made it, and uh, that was interesting. So version 1.0, it didn't work out really well, okay? Like version 1.0 was like this. It was super clunky, super difficult to set up, and when I set it up, the first gig that I had, the first thing that I did was I went to try to promote my business, and I went to an expo. Okay, so this is like, uh, you know, at a convention center, let's say. And, and we went into this uh, convention center, and I had not even done a dry test run on my f- new photo booth that I had designed. I had not even set it up one time. I had not even, I, I was just like, dude, we got to do this, and, and we missed some deadlines. And then it ended up where I was setting up my photo booth for the very first time at a convention center in front of, in front of really professional people. 
Everybody there is super organized and super together. And I was there just sweating and I worked hard. So needless to say, I came up with the version 2.0 very quickly after realizing what a fail that was. But the exploit still did gain some clients, which was great. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a systems guy. I love to evaluate what I'm doing and say, is this effectively working? The way I just designed the system, is this system going to work for, the way, for what I want it to do? You know, is this going to end up giving me the end result and the product that I would like it to have? Or is this going to be something that actually holds me back in trying to accomplish my end goal? So in other words, I'm kind of a progress junkie. Okay, any other progress junkies in here? Progress junkies? Okay, I went out riding my bike yesterday and I use an app called Strava. Okay, anyone, else, anyone who rides in here, I recommend using this Strava app. So I log my times when I ride my bike. Now, I'm not a great cyclist. I'm not a great cyclist. I'm a novice. I'm an entry-level cyclist. But when I go out, I want to see how fast I'm going, and I want to compete against myself. And so I use this app not only to compete against myself, but I also am able to see other people's times around me. I'm able to see a leaderboard of how people are going on certain segments, and I'm always constantly competing. I'm always constantly aware of the results that I'm getting from the investment of time and the investment of energy and the investment of effort that I'm putting in. And I think that you do the same thing, okay? Whether it's nutritionally, you want to see a result. You stop eating certain things because you want to see a result. You're like, dude, I want to lose weight this new year. You know what I mean? I'm going I'm to look fit by summertime. You know, I'm going to start. And so you stop eating sugar, stop eating fried food, stop eating fast food, and you're actually looking for results. Nutritionally, you want to see a result. With fitness, I know that you guys are looking for results. When you guys are exercising, when you invest your time to do that, you have a goal in mind. And you actually want to evaluate and assess, am I being effective in the investment that I'm making with my time? Am I moving towards the goal that I'm trying to achieve? Educationally, we do, you do the same thing. You want to achieve a goal and you want to invest your time wisely. You don't want to waste your time. You know, for our college students, a lot of them are going through difficult times like because the, the, the saturated system and the loss of jobs has like filled up our junior colleges. And our junior college classes are filled and guess what California does? They're cutting the number of classes available while the, the attendance is going up. And so a lot of our junior college students, they, they're struggling to get through school. Why? Because they can't get the classes that they need and it holds them back. I know that's a frustrating experience. It's frustrating to be ineffective, isn't it? It's frustrating when you invest money. I mean, some of us have invested money in things. I'm, I'm not much of an investor, but I, I know when, when we invest money, we want to see a return from it. And when we lose money, it's frustrating. So financially, educationally, it's nutritionally, it's frustrating when we're ineffective with what we're trying to do. So what I'm going to tell you guys today, the title of the lesson is proactive patience, proactive patience. And it's probably not what you think, because I think you probably came to a conclusion what this lesson's already about, but it's probably not what you think. And I'm going to show you guys, if you're a guest here today, I'm going to show a scripture and I'm going to talk about a concept that's been wise, widely abused in the Christian culture. It's been widely misused in the Christian culture. A scripture that you and I, if you're a Christian in here today, most of us have used this scripture in a way and, and maybe mishandled this scripture. So I believe that you want to change, I want to change, we all want to change, and we don't want to be ineffective doing it. And when it comes to change, it won't happen overnight or unintentionally. You know, not, you, you know how the concept is change is hard, right? Change is hard. Would it be hard if you like made like more money, your boss came in and said, hey, we're just going to give you some more money for doing the same thing. 
That kind of change wouldn't be super hard for me. I'd be like, right on. You're just going to pay me more to do the same thing? That sounds great. But change, when it comes to us changing to become the person that God wants us to be, if we have to change and implement discipline to do something, it actually doesn't happen easily. It's not like our gravitational pull pulls us towards improvement and pulls us towards, you know, getting better. When I go out and ride my bicycle, I don't expect I'm going to get better at riding the bicycle unless I implement discipline first. And discipline will lead me towards that progress. So it's amazing the story that I'm going to share with you today. I'm going to share with you something that Jesus taught. He taught about a tree. Jesus had a story. And whenever Jesus told stories, Jesus told stories with a really specific point in mind. Jesus didn't tell stories unintentionally. He didn't tell stories that had no point or they were just abstract and they had no meaning. He told stories and it's like, this is amazing what Jesus has to tell us today. And if you're a guest in here today, I think you're really going to like what I have to say. If you're a member in here today, you might not like what I have to tell you here today. But I'm going to point you back to Jesus. And this is Jesus' words, what he says. So I want to show you Luke chapter 13 and verse 6. So Jesus told this illustration. He said, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. You know, guys, I literally had to look up what a fig was. I had no idea what a fig was when I read this story. I'm like, okay, I'm going to look on Wikipedia and figure out what a fig is. I haven't seen one. So it was really interesting. So maybe you don't know, but let's just say he had a fruit tree of some sort. So I actually brought some fruit here. Um, You know, this is from my yard. I went out and picked these this morning. I have a, a, a huge lemon tree outside, which is great, but I don't have a squeezer that actually squeezes these. So I don't really use them, which is really unfortunate. Um, but I, I brought some, some oranges and, uh, and some lemons. I love citrus fruit. I love mixing them in water. But there was a man who, who went out and he took a seed and he planted a seed. Let's just say that this is a seed. I don't really have a seed here. I wanted to bring one, but I didn't bring one. Okay, let's just say this is a seed. A man went out and he took a seed and he took the seed and he planted the seed in the ground. He went out and planted it. And he had some idea of what he was doing. So let's say there's a property owner, and this property owner is rich, he's powerful, he's smart, okay? This guy is intentional about everything he does, and he has this property, and he goes out and he plants this seed into the ground. He had an idea and a vision of what he wanted to see happen. He didn't do it unintentionally. He did it because he's like, I want a tree right here, 10 feet from my front door, that's going to be exceptional, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a highlight. When you walk into the front door, it's going to be beautiful. I'm going to put a light on it. It's going to be awesome. So I, I did put a little image of, of a seed up here. This is what a seed is, okay? Now, in this seed, this seed contains the DNA of everything required to make that beautiful tree. The beautiful tree, the vision that the owner has, everything that's needed is contained in this seed. Someday this seed will be that tree. You add some light, add some water, some nutrients from the soil, and this is going to be that tree. The cool thing is, is the owner of the yard is God. God is this owner, this smart and powerful owner. And you guys, you guys are the seeds, Or you guys are going to be what the tree is later on. You guys will be the tree. Everything that you need. God has given you everything you need to grow and be the person that you need to be. And that's amazing. It's like God didn't make a mistake. God took this seed and he said, I have a vision for what you can be. I have a vision for what Chris Boyer can be. And he took that seed and he planted it in the ground. And now he's hoping and waiting 
to see what's going to happen with that tree. He wants to see it grow up and be full. The owner had a vision and mission in mind. The owner definitely knew what he was doing, and he's taken that seed and put it into the ground. And it says, let's go on here. A man had a fig tree, planted it in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Okay, so here we find that the owner, he, he planted the tree in hopes of one thing. But when he came out and checked on the progress of it, he did not find what he was looking for. Okay, so he actually came. The owner came out. He didn't send someone out. It says he came. So the owner came out. He came down out of his room. He, you know, put on like his clothes so he can go outside. And he ventured out and to go ahead and to, to see what has become of this investment. This investment of the seed. The investment of the ground. The investment of the water. The investment of all the people who are involved in running his property. That he wants to come out and see what has become of the seed that I've intentionally planted here with hopes that it would do something, that it would produce fruit. He came out. And that's the amazing thing. And this is, this is Jesus always had a point. Jesus always had a point. He pointed towards the owner of this property that the owner came out. What I see in the nature of God in what Jesus is telling me here is God came out to us. No matter how dark you are, no matter how sinful you are, no matter how you have really rebelled against God in your life, the God that Jesus teaches just surprises both the person who's irreligious or the person who's super religious. It just surprises us because we see the nature of God that he comes out to us and he comes down to us. We're inside of two weeks, 2,000 years ago, within two weeks of now, Jesus is crucified. Jesus is in the last couple weeks of his life right now, 2,000 years ago, and this is God coming down. God actually came down already, and that was Jesus Christ giving us hope. No matter how much sin you've had in your life, God comes to you, and God comes out to you because you are his investment. And he's in search of something. God is actually looking for something tangible. God is looking for something quantifiable or qualifiable in some way. There's a metric of some sort that God is, is using to say, hey, because Jesus told this story. And he said, there's fruit. And a lot of us want to say, what is fruit? Like, and sound smart. What is fruit anyways? You know, people who, you're so results-oriented, Chris. What is fruit? Well, Jesus apparently is telling the story and saying there's a tree, and the tree, the owner was looking for fruit. Guess what? Jesus believed that God was looking for something in our life, something quantifiable, something measurable. And so to, to like, you know, say, oh, what is fruit anyways? It kind of sounds like so like philosophical and spiritual, but really it doesn't mean anything. Jesus really did have a point. So I believe that Jesus had a point. What was fruit according to? to Jesus. What was the fruit that Jesus told, was telling us that the owner was going to be looking for? With your life and where you're at, who you are, each of us are in a different place. And some of us, we're just glad we're in the room today. Some of us haven't come to church for a long time, but we're in here today. And I'm so glad that you're here. I know for me, just getting out the front door with my children with their shoes on and their jackets on and getting here, I'm like, hey, man, I made it here, but my kids didn't eat breakfast. I'm like, man, I'm like, always funny, you know, uh, I'm just so glad that you guys are here. You made it here today. But Jesus had a point of what fruit is. Number one, 
the fruit of the Spirit or the characteristics of Jesus, I would say that is fruit. If we could emulate or imitate the characteristics of Jesus, and there's lists that are actually in the Bible that tell us that it, it consists of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, and kindness, and self-control. These are things that, that this is definitely fruit. There's a difference between that and selfishness, between that and pride, between that and broken homes, broken relationships. There is fruit that Jesus is looking for on your branches. And it is quantifiable. There is a metric that it can be measured by. And we can look at it. How am I doing with my anger? How am I doing with my pride? How am I doing with my integrity? Jesus is actually looking for something in our character. And we can point towards the character of Jesus to find out what that is. Next would be pointing towards the mission of Jesus. Jesus had a mission. He had something he was trying to accomplish. And that would be something that he was looking for a result. What did Jesus want to do? He wanted to seek and save the lost. Jesus wanted to reconcile the world to God. And that's why Jesus came. And he teaches he is here for us to have an example of how to live. So the mission of Jesus is something else. And Paul, uh, a New Testament writer, this guy Paul, I want to tell you about him. Paul actually killed Christians to start off. He was, a, he was a Jew, and he was very, very adamant about obeying God and putting God's will into practice. He was so adamant, in fact, that he wanted to kill Christians, and he did. He, he, that's what he, he, his lifestyle, his work was killing Christians. And then this guy has an interaction with Jesus, and he becomes a Christian. He becomes a follower of Jesus. And so I want to give you a little insight into what Paul said because Paul gives us insight into this idea of fruit, this idea of the mission of Jesus. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that, it may, that I may share in its blessing. Here he says he's willing to go to all possible means that one person or some people might be saved. Paul cared so much about the mission of Jesus and accomplishing the mission of Jesus. He was so results-oriented. He was such a progression junkie that he said he was willing to do all possible means. What does all mean? All. All is all. He was willing to do whatever it took short of sin in order to help someone become a Christian, in, in order to help convert someone. And, to, and what's the point of it? So that they can be said, no, so that I may share in its blessing. So that I may share in its blessing. You know, it's more about us being the people that we need to be rather than helping other people be the people they need to be. It's more about us being the people that we need to be rather than helping other people be the people they need to be. When, as Paul shared in the blessing, he did it as he helped other people. When you change and you grow fruit, when you're bearing fruit in your life of the character of Jesus, when you become more patient, when you become more kind, when you become more self-controlled, when you become more faithful, what happens is it overflows to helping other people. You start impress, implementing and influencing other people to become Christians. You want to help other people. Someone else becomes a Christian. Hey, that's great for them. I'm just happy I'm being the person that I need to be. I'm bearing the fruit in my life that I need to bear. Bottom line is you need to change, bro. 
you need to change, bro. All right? So the ladies in the room, I don't want to offend you, but guys didn't sound as cool. I said, you need to change, guys. I didn't like that. So you need to change, bro. Okay? My wife, I call my wife dude sometimes. I'm like, dude. All right? So you need to change, dude. All right? All of us in here, we need to make a commitment to change. Because you know what? God is looking for something. There's something God's looking for. In order to be that, it's not going to be a gravitational pull towards fruit. It's not going to be a gravitational pull towards influencing other people to be Christians. It's not going to be a gravitational pull for us to become more patient, more kind, more loving, more joyful. It's going to be something that's going to overflow when we're intentional and when we implement discipline to move towards it. There's some things that you can actually do to bear fruit. There's things that you can actually practice, and we've been hearing about it in climate change. And that's why I'm doing this lesson today. That's why I'm here today talking about proactive patience. The reason why is because we need to hear what we heard and then go and change. And we need to bear some fruit. There needs to be some fruit on my branches. It needs to be obvious to people around me that there's some fruit being born. So you need to look at your results. You need to look at results and ask, your, ask the question, what kind of fruit is hanging on my branches? So the word that Jesus uses for this is the word repent. The word repent means aftermind. It's a transformed state of mind that happens once you've become convinced that there is a good God and that he has standards. Okay? There's a good God. He has standards. He sent his son to die for your sins. When you're convinced of that, you have this new mindset, this new set of lenses that you wear that says, dude, I'm going to do everything in my power to live my life according to the way that Jesus is calling me to. So you need to repent or if, if you don't buy into the resurrection and you don't buy into the Bible and you got bribed to come here today and you're just here because a family member brought you, I love it when I bring my family members just because they love me, okay? And I really wanted to bring some today and they didn't make it. But, you know, I love it when people are here with me. But if they don't buy into the resurrection and they don't buy into Jesus and, and all that, you know what? You need to change. And I believe you know you need to change as well because we all are designed to change. We are not designed to be stagnant. So there's this patient owner. Jesus goes on. This owner that went out and planted that tree in the ground, he's super patient. He's amazingly patient. He came out to see how the fruit was going, but look what he says here to the gardener when he found none. He said to the gardener, for the last three years I've come looking for figs on this tree, but haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use good soil? Okay, so he, he approaches the gardener, his employee, and he says, I've been waiting for fruit, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. There's like this level of kind of like he's agitated that he's not seeing the results that he expected. He's agitated. He's grieved. This patient owner, he's grieved. He waited three years, and he expected something, and he's not seeing it. God is grieved that he did not see the results that he had intended as he planted that seed in the ground and he had hoped for it. And this is the story of man. As God created man, he created us to have a relationship like a father to a son. And as he created us to have a relationship, he had hoped that he would have that. But it grieves him. How many times have you grieved God? How many times have we exhausted God's patience with our lack of change and our lack of fruit in our lives? How many times have I chosen to continue to hold God at a distance and keep God out of my life. For three years he came looking 
And he said, cut it down. Why should it use up this space? The patient owner, he waited three years. He was aggravated and grieved. And at the end of it, he said, cut that thing down. Get it out of here. There was an end to God's patience. There was a, there was a limited window of opportunity for the tree to bear fruit. And then he said, cut it down. But guess what? There's this optimistic gardener. The gardener he's talking to, he responds. And the gardener's like all positive. He's like, no, 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 no. Check this out. The gardener replied, sir, let it stand for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. Maybe next year it will have figs. But if not, then you can cut it down. So there's this optimistic gardener that's all positive, And he's like, you know, hey, hold on. Hold on, God. Hold on, owner. Now the optimistic gardener, this is actually Jesus. This is Jesus being sent down to have, you know, to, to do everything he can. God has done everything he can. He sent Jesus to die for our sins, to pay off a debt that you or I could not pay off. We couldn't pay it off. And he sent Jesus to die for our sins. He said, I'm going to dig around it and I'm going to fertilize it. I'm going to dig up the hard soil that's around it. Okay. Our hearts can be hardened. Our hearts can be hard to the word of God. They can be hard towards God. And Jesus says, I'm going to dig up the hard soil. And I'm going to add more nutrients to help this to grow up. What he's saying is that this year I'm going to do more than I've done in the previous three years. This year I'm going to invest more time, more attention, more effort into helping this tree to produce the fruit that, it, that you intended it to produce, God. Guys, that's what Jesus is saying about you here today. God, hang on. I'm going to invest everything I can to soften this guy's heart. I'm going to invest everything I can to help grow that heart that it might be the tree that you intended to be, God, and it might have the fruit that you intended for it to have, God. Because, God, I know that you're very patient. Please give it one more year. So not only three years of patience from God, three plus one, the owner of this property waited because Jesus persuaded him to wait longer and that he would invest. So breaking up hard soil... You need to break up the hard soil in your life. You need to allow Jesus to break up the hard soil that's in your heart. How do you do that? You do that by reading the word of God, by applying the word of God, by sitting here on Sundays and then having a good conversation for lunch afterwards. You need to let Jesus break up the hard soil. You need to add fertilizer. You guys have to be continuing to come to church. You have to continue to be in the word of God. Maybe if you're here for the first time, one of the things that fires us up most out of anything is getting in a Bible study. And if you're here as a guest for the first time, we want to give you the option just so you know. We would love to do a Bible study with you. And we call our, our entry-level Bible study the core four. That's adding fertilizer. If you don't know where to go, you don't know what the next step is, we have the core four Bible study series to help you to know what the next step is. You've got to add fertilizer. Jesus is like, I'm going to do more than ever before. This year, 2013, our theme for the year is be present. Currently, Jesus is doing more this year than he did last year that he's attempting to help you grow spiritually. And at the end of that, Jesus says, and if it doesn't grow then, if it doesn't grow after my investment, if it doesn't grow after I've done everything that I can do short of controlling that person and making them do what I want them to do, then you know what? You can cut it down. That's the end. You can cut it down. God will not always put up with unfruitful followers. This was a really hard thing for me to choose to talk about today, guys. 
This was really hard for me to address. I am not the foremost leading expert on God and God's patience. And I am not a patient individual myself. I struggle, okay? The Bible teaches me that God will not always put up with unfruitful followers. Jesus told a story for a reason. Why did he tell me that story? Why is Jesus talking about a tree? Why is he telling me that if there's no fruit, he's going to cut it down? Because God will not always put up with unfruitful followers. So the idea, the concept is you and I, we both need to change. We need to repent. We need to emulate the character of Jesus and emulate the mission of Jesus. God is practicing proactive patience with you and with me. Whether you're here for the first time or you've been a Christian for a long time, that God is practicing proactive patience, that he's investing in us currently. He's patiently investing in us towards our progress. God wants and has a vision and mission for your life. Well, now I'm going to share with you another reference of a tree. And in this reference, I I consistently, when I study the Bible with someone for the first time, this is a haunting scripture for me. As a Christian, what I'm going to show you right now is something that when I read this to someone else, I every time have to go, whoa, whoa, I just need to pray to God. Every time, because this scripture is just like, it's, call, it's talking to me, even if I'm trying to help someone else with it. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. This is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. In verse 19, after uh, the longest series of practical teaching, Jesus goes on, do this, don't do that. He gives illustrations, you know, he ups the ante. And then he says, every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I don't want to be thrown in the fire. So I, you know what? By your fruit, you will recognize him. He says, you, you will recognize him. It's not abstract. You will recognize someone by the fruit in their life. By the results that you could see in their life, you will recognize them. And listen, he goes on. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay, Jesus talking here. Jesus has some people come up to him and they say to him, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I'm your follower. Jesus, I intellectually accept and I adhere to you. Jesus says, not everyone who calls me Lord is going to heaven. Did you guys know this is in the Bible? It's crazy. Jesus says, not everyone who thinks they're Christians going to heaven. That's straight sketchy. Everyone who's inside this room right here, not everyone's going to heaven. Man, you guys ever been to a funeral that someone said, well, they're going to hell now. You go to funerals and hear that. Everyone, everyone thinks everyone's going to heaven. Not Jesus. Jesus doesn't think that. He says, only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Jesus is concerned with this word right here. Does. He didn't say who believes correctly. Who intellectually accepts. He says, the one who does. The one who applies. The one who practices. The one who does what I'm asking you to do and lives the life that I'm asking you to do, the one who bears fruit in their life. But look at this, not a few, but many, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not X, Y, and Z religious practices? 
Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. What a haunting scripture. Because as I read this as a Christian, I could point towards all my religious actions and all my self-sacrifice or all my self-control that I practice it. But am I doing, am I practicing, am I applying God's will for my life? Number one, God is patient. God is really patient with us. That's what I see from the story of this fig tree that had no fruit on it, is God is patient. And God is proactive. He's initiating. He's coming down. He wants to be connected with you, and he's investing in you to be the most. And God had a vision and mission for you and mine, and he's investing. He doesn't want to lose his investment. He's willing to wait a little bit longer. You're here today. You're here today, and I'm here today. And you made it this far. But we don't know how far we have. God is investing. God expects fruit. There's an expectation of God. And this pendulum of expectation for us in the church with the big C, okay, the universal church, this goes from like, you know, we have no expectations. Oh, dude, everyone's saved. There's no expectations to here's 10,000 hoops that you have to jump through. Here's a whole bunch of mountains you have to overcome in order to just call yourself a Christian. There's a huge pendulum swing between those two. But God does expect fruit according to what Jesus tells me in the Bible today. And we are accountable. You will give an account and I will give an account. Apart from this church, apart from Peter Garcia, apart from my wife, apart from, you know, my parents, your parents, you will give an account. You will stand on your own individually. You will be held accountable for the fruit in your life. So if I've lost you today or if I've lost the teens today and you guys are tweeting or texting or checking the surf report, listen, there's no waves. You can stop checking. I've already checked. Okay. This is all I want you to remember. This is all I want you to get out of this lesson today. Just, just know this one thing. And if you, remember, if, if, if you could just reel in with me for one second, I'm just going to tell you the one thing, whether you buy into the resurrection or you don't buy into the resurrection, I think that if you understand this, it's going to change you and it's going to change your behavior. The most important person in the world to change is me. The most important person in the world to change is me. Whoa. There it goes. Nice. That didn't work out. Okay. I need a change. I still have a long way to go. We as a ministry staff, we have a long way to go, guys. We have a laundry list of things that we would like to change as a church. But you need to change. You need to apply. We went through climate change, and on Sundays we're getting incredibly practical, helpful teaching. And you guys need to go out and apply and guys, if you don't understand this, the consequences are real. We really believe there's a heaven. We really believe there is a hell. Heaven and hell are real places. They're not figurative. If Jesus was being figurative, what was he talking about? Snowflakes when he talked about hell? Was he saying like, no, he was talking this hot, crazy place that's waiting. A fire. When he talks about the trees being cut down and thrown into the fire, is that figurative? What, fire, what, what does fire mean to you? What is the symbol of? Bunnies? Okay. No, he's serious about fire. It's going to be painful. It's not good. Jesus believed there is a hell. And nobody, nobody's designed to be static. Even if you're like, hey, I've been a Christian 14 years. No one's designed to stay, just to stay static. You're designed to grow. I've been a Christian 14 years. I feel like I'm changing more now than I was 10 years ago. Okay, I feel like I'm on this ship 
that set sail 14 years ago to follow Jesus and I, and I set my heading. And then you know what? It hit storms and, I, and my heading got readjusted and I got to set it back on a, a different new heading because of the, the wind changed, okay? And now I'm, I'm, I'm just at the helm of this ship and I'm constantly having to adjust my sails and trim them and try to set my heading in the direction that I need to go. It's not static, you guys, it's dynamic. No matter what stage of life you're in today, you're a teen and you're facing the real pressures that exist in high school that are very difficult for you to overcome in order to follow Jesus. But you know what? Your stage and then the, the single mother who's raising children, your stage or the college student who's fighting to get classes or the husband who's fighting just to get to work and to get home and spend time with his family, we all have to continue to change. And it's a dynamic course that we're on. Repentance is not a destination. Repentance is a journey. It's a journey that you and I are on in order to be the people that God designed us to be. Repentance is not a one-time event. I didn't repent once and that was it and I set my heading and got there. No, it's, it's a course that I am on. So what would God's great big vision for you look like? If God had a great big vision, when he took you here and he saw you and he was like, this seed, it's going to be something. It's going to do something. Something's going to happen with this. I can't wait to see it happen. What is it that God is waiting to see in your life as he planted you in the ground? What would God's great big vision for you be? And I know you're messed up. I'm messed up. We're, we're God's creation. We're, we're broken, Okay. And so I know that God is investing and he's doing things to help us to move further, faster towards his goal. So I have a picture of what that might look like for me, okay? So I got these short little stubby legs and I'm not getting very far very fast. But then God, he had this idea, he's gonna put a rocket on my back, okay? So I thought this was perfectly describing the way that God is helping me out because I'm like that basset hound right there. Okay, I'm, I'm ugly. I, I'm sorry if you have any Bassett lovers, okay, in the room. They're so cute, okay. But, you know, I, I don't think that's like the most attractively well-proportioned dog, okay. Its front legs are much shorter than the back legs. It just seems <laughs> ridiculous, okay. And he's got those goggles on, which is awesome, okay. Guys, I want to tell you something. Despite the fact that you are flawed, that you are messed up, you are God's workmanship. You are God's workmanship, and he has something in mind for you that's greater than you can imagine. In Ephesians 2a, it says that it's by grace you've been saved, not by works, so that no one can boast. For you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for you to do. God has prepared something for you to do. God has an idea of what he wants you to do. And it's all by grace. God came out to us. God came down to us. God created us. God gave us those short stubby legs, but he also gave me those goggles and that rocket. Okay? God gave me everything I need to succeed. So God is patient. God is proactive. God expects fruit. And we are accountable. The most important person in the world to change is me. The most important person in the world to change is me. If you guys want to bear fruit, and I know we as an organization, we want to fill up this room. We want to double this room. We want to have another service. We want to see our evening service fill up. We want to see more people become Christians. We hope that even if you're a guest in here today, you're going to go out and invite someone and bring them back next week to be exposed to who Jesus is. That's what we hope. But it starts right here. If I want my family to change, it starts right here. If I want my wife to change, it starts right here. 
If I want my organization to change, it starts right here. And when we are the people we need to be, God has this plan, and he's gonna, he has this picture of a tree of what we're going to look, look like. So what to apply today? I want you to make a decision to pray for clarity. I want you to make a decision to change and to pray for clarity. So first it starts with the decision. Okay, I'm going to change. I'm going to be open to it. I want to do it. I'm going to be intentional about it. And then I want you to pray every day for clarity, that God would help you see the way you need to change. God, help me see the things that are offensive in me. Help me to see the ways that you're trying to help me grow. Help me see the way you're trying to help other people through me. Giving, serving, volunteering, repenting of sin. The ways that you need to change. God, help me see it. So I reworded Peter's question from a couple weeks ago. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Made it more simple. What can I change? What, what can I change? What do you think I can change? Go to your work circle. Go to your family circle. Go to your, your small group, your church circle. Say, what can I change? And whether or not you buy into the resurrection, whether or not you buy into Jesus or not, you were designed for change. God wants you to change. I believe you want to change. But it takes this humility to be able to ask that question. What, what do you think I can change? And then making a decision that you're going to apply it. Right now, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be passing the elements, uh, the fruit okay, of the vine that represents Jesus' blood, the bread that represents Jesus' torn flesh on the cross. Jesus died on the cross to pay our debt. And so we're going to be passing those. We're going to spend a time in prayer. So I'm going to pray right now for taking this. This represents what Jesus did in two weeks. In two weeks, this represents him dying on the cross for our sins. God is proactive and he's patient with us. Let's thank God for that as we take communion today. God, thank you so much for being patient with me. God, thank you for second chances. Thank you, God, for giving me so many chances. And God, although I know that so many things...